What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beers and. Today, we're going to be talking about beers, beers and briefcases. briefcases. <laughs> Delay. <laughs> delay but you know not the not the worst of delays by any means what is up everyone welcome back to another episode my name is alex i'm joined by nick nick you're remote again i am remote again we are remote we uh, we're, we're remote you know life happens it's been a real it's been a real couple it's been a real time uh yeah weddings and weddings and and wedding things and work right. things and yeah right it's, it's that's a whole... right i started a new work schedule that's right. You did. Yep. So Our, I've been uh, getting up way before the sun at like two two forty five in the morning. These last couple Lord. of days. Good <laughs> God. Yeah. Two forty five in the morning. It doesn't feel real sometimes. Like I wake up and I look at the time and I'm like, oh, I can go back to sleep. And then my second alarm goes off and I'm like, oh crap. That's the oh god, dude. I give you some. What time are you going to sleep now at this point? I've been passing out pretty much um, anytime between 8.30 and 9.30. You, you look like you're holding up well, though. I'm glad that we're, I we're feel doing good. This. You know what? I'll tell you what. Being home starting at like 12 o'clock every day or maybe some, some days even earlier is pretty fun. Absolutely. You anyway, seem fresh. Anyway, thank you. Th- I feel fresh. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube if you are not at Beers and Podcast. And also you can come follow us on Instagram at Beers and Podcast. And uh, you can come hold, do the whole Twitter thing too at Beers and One. And if you really, really want to get to us, come send everything to us at Beers and Podcast at gmail.com. Smooth. Succinct. I am super excited. I th- and this is the first time we're going to be having back to back stouts. Oh, it is a back to back stout on the show. Yeah. So I'm now we're going to be able to like apples to apples. This is going to be good. Stouts yeah. to stouts. So stouts to stouts. So we are drinking another one from Lone Eagle. Yes, we had, is, the, we had what the peach gusher had, sour from them. Correct. Correct. Right. This one is a milk chocolate stout. It is a stout brewed with lactose and an abundance of dark chocolate malt. It is then aged on everyone's favorite instant hot chocolate milk mix. I'm very so, excited. So my question is, is what hot chocolate mix is that? Is it Swiss Miss? It's so funny you even asked that because when I read it before we even talked, I was like, is this one of those like we're not allowed to say the name for copyright right. reasons? It's exactly what it is. I thought Swiss Miss. There is there is another company came out with a, Sw- a Swiss Miss beer recently, and it's like oh. very, very clearly Swiss Miss down to the can art. Oh, huh. yeah. So, so I'm interested. Like, what else would it be if it wasn't Swiss Miss? So I'm thinking it could be Hershey's makes a hot cocoa mix. Okay. Um, and what was the one with the with the not Yuhu? Um, yeah, you're right. I feel like there's one more. There is another hot chocolate mix. M- minute, mi- minute, something. Is oh, it- uh, oh, yeah. Minute Maid. Is it no, Minute? That's made? something else. No, that's the lemonade. Those are the lemonade people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't. Probably I think shit. you're right, though. Yeah, it's probably it's like Ovaltine. It's well, not a. Yeah, it's not America's favorite one by any yeah, means. No. Then. So, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna crack into it. Yeah. Let's, let's get also to it. get to the question. Ooh, I'm excited. This about one's that. They block my face. Kind of, kind of an interesting one. Um. So what? What's <gasps> oh, something? Shit! I just. Oh God. <laughs> did it explode? A little bit, and I'm not saying that I got some beer on the mixer, but there's some beer on the mixer. That's Mine exploded I... slightly as well. Yeah, um, I shouldn't have done it with one hand. I did, <laughs> didn't get beer on my mixer. I don't have oh. a mixer. But um, it sounds dirty when you say it like <laughs> I didn't get beer on my mixer. <laughs> what is something you did or liked as a kid that you don't do or like anymore? Cream cheese. Really? I don't know why that was the first thing that came to mind. But as a kid, I distinctly remember like as a... a I guess we can say like alternative to a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I remembered that my mother would make cream cheese and jelly sandwiches. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And as a, a kid, as a kid, I remember liking them. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, I don't like cream cheese at all. Yeah, that's right. You get butter on your bagel. I do get butter on my bagel. That's although right. I now go ahead and I will have a scallion cream cheese. I am a bitch for it. Ooh, I like yeah. a good scallion cream cheese. Yeah, you can put scallions in anything pretty much. And uh, exactly. You've got my attention. The fancy onion. 
it's a very fancy onion, a spring onion. A, a green onion. Why do we have so many names for scallions? I just the don't same understand. Thing, right? It's all the same thing. Green but, onion, spring onion, scallion. So many. I don't understand why. It's a racket. It's another it's one. A, Everything, it really is a racket. Everything's a racket. This beer is lovely pitch black. It's got a frothy espresso colored head. Ooh. I would what, say. What? Uh, wait a second. So wait, I feel like we, we, we completely ignored the fact that what is it that you used to like it that no longer? Oh, um, cars. I used to be really into cars when we were in high school. Interesting. If, if you remember my big black and green eyesore. Um, oh, yeah. The, what, what was that one? That was the, the Lancer. Right, right, right. What, wasn't it called the Hulk? Isn't that Hulk. what we had referred to it as? Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to be really into cars, not so much anymore. I, I could still appreciate them, but I just don't like find myself enamored with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm half and half with that one. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, yeah. Now that I now that I am looking to go ahead and purchase, uh, my lease is up soon. Um, oh. So I'm looking back about what I want to do. And I'd like to, I think, go back to an, an old car. But the that idea- suits you. Thank you. I don't know. I, I take that as a compliment. But- it is. It is okay, good. Uh, but I look back and I think to myself now, like, holy shit, how did I drive a 19 and a half foot long yeah, that Cadillac at 17 years old? With, and now with the idea- elegance. Like, with pristine, with well, the car used to drive itself realistically. I mean, it was one of those things, it didn't have cruise control. But if you put it in neutral when you're going fast enough and you just coasted, it was the same thing. Hey, same yeah. gas, yeah. Well, so you need and you needed it. Not really interesting fact. What MPG was not too different than um, like brand new SUVs at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like oh. I used to get like 13. City, yeah, that's about what I thought. Okay. Yeah, and like sixteen ish highway, and that's then you would terrible. go and look. It, it is horrible. That's we, terrible. We went to the car show, the the international car show in the city that year, and I remember looking at a new SUV, and I was like, "This fucking thing gets the same gas mileage that my thirty year old car does." I this doesn't make sense to me. It's crazy, right? It's a racket. It's because that car was made out of pure metal. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Just there's no down. excuse for anything yeah. else now. It's way down. Right. Exactly. So I'm not getting too much chocolate from the nose of the beer, I would say. Oh, I feel like I, I, I'm getting a decent amount. A little chocolatey. Maybe because it's dark. Maybe. Or that's dark chocolate malt. Yeah. Yeah, you and malt what? is going to be a little gonna... different. Oh, cheers. Cheers, Clink. cheers. Clink. Actually, it's not half bad. It's not. It's like slightly... Hot chocolatey, but you know, obviously not the temperature. What I think is throwing me off is that I think a lot of times we have chocolate flavored or chocolate notes in our beers. It's usually based off of like cacao nibs, and those cacao nibs are generally more bitter. And are a little bit more indicative of like dark True. chocolate. And the fact that this is lactose and milk chocolate, I think is cutting it a bit. I'm not getting a lot of chocolate notes then as a result. Yeah, I, I, I'm i right there with you. I'm actually trying to look. Um, it's a very nice beer. I find it. it is nice. It is nice. It's, it's just uh, I'm not getting a lot of that chocolateness though. Chocolate not as milk. much. Nope. I guess that's um, right. That... Maltedness. Yeah. Okay, so it is. Um, this is a malt for porters and stouts. Mm-hmm. It is. You could use it to replace other, other malt. Oh. Um, this husk develops bitter notes during roasting, so it means it contributes a certain amount of bitter, astringent, or dry flavors or aftertaste to the beer. And I feel like I'm getting that dry, like almost like a, like a, the dryness of a wine. I don't feel, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm not getting too much of that. Um, I feel like I'm really discrediting myself now that we're so much on video and I am actively smoking a cigarette uh, while also <laughs> trying to analyze the flavor palette of, of some of these beers. 
but I'm not getting too much of that dryness and too much of that bitterness at all. I'm not getting, it's so neutral. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's much more neutral. It's very subtle. It, it is, is subtle, which, which I think makes it nice. It's a, it's not terribly heavy. It's got a nice mouthfeel to it. It's only 6.1%. Yep. Yeah. It's only a 6.1. 6.1. I definitely get dark chocolate notes. I'm not getting chocolate. No, not too much. Not too much. I will say, I do think that it is a little bit nicer than the, uh, the Gishers, the Gusher Sours one that we had. <laughs> yeah. I think it, but I feel like if I'm not mistaken, this was a similar critique that we had with the sour gushers is that we wanted it to be a little bit more like sour. Punch, we wanted punchy. more of the, the, I think it was a peach one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Yep. I think we wanted more of that, the peach and the sour as well. Yeah. So I think you're right. Kind of a, a theme with Lone Eagle. Could be. It is a very nice beer. It is. I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's definitely not. It does not stand up to the trillium no. PM dawn. No, it's not doesn't. even close. No, no, no. no. And, and this is one of those where the lack of complexity, I think, is not working to its benefit. It's not as like okay, I'm I'm getting uh, you know uh, this this single flavor. I'm not you know enjoying maybe the 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 single hop you know that's supposed to be predominant in the beer, right? Just very, very neutral. It's like when you get a dish and it needs salt. Yes. It's a good dish. You know that it is, you know, your steak is cooked well. It's yep. it's the right flavor. It's the right temperature. I'm sorry, the right flavor. The right, uh, yeah, right temperature. But it's it's missing just a little it, something. It needs seasoning. It needs salt. Yeah. I'm going to start saying that. It needs salt. I like that. Needs I like salt. that. Needs a little salt this on that. This beer needs Dude, salt. What? Who's that douchebag? That 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 salt bay. Is that what is that, is that what he's called? Salt bay. The guy with the yeah with the yeah. I'm not actually looking at you. I was just hoping that's what you were doing. Oh, okay, perfect. Have you that's never exactly actually seen? Um, have you seen like the videos of this guy? Oh yeah, it's oh, actually yeah. pretty cool. And he, for what it's worth, is a very talented butcher and chef. It seems like, or at least griller of meats i think that i had seen something once that i was just nauseated at where someone had gone to his restaurant and you know was served by him in the whole nine yards yeah but they were like a vegetarian and had gone just for like the appeal of it oh. and the bill wound up being if i'm not mistaken oh, yeah. Yeah, like thirty six thousand dollars isn't it, it was like a gold like dubai or something is he i wouldn't be i wouldn't be I don't surprised know. at all. That now sounds like a look. Dubai. I feel That's like what I'm saying. Where Vegas. else would it be? Could be. Yeah, something like something like that, maybe. Oh, he's South Turkish. Oh. He's a Turkish butcher, chef, food entertainer. If there was ever a better description for a man I would be right. most attracted to, I think <laughs> Turkish butcher and food entertainer would probably be like, yes, please. He looks like day. a boss. Like he really does look like a boss. He's got one of those, like, I might be a magician ponytails, I think, doesn't he? Okay. Yes, he does. There's so, okay. So it. he owns a chain of luxury steakhouses and there are locations in Turkey, Greece, the US, the UK, the United Arab Emirates, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. Wow. Wow. If there was ever yep. a list of, I've got, what I do is I serve fuck you money meals to people. <laughs> that is the list of fuck you money places the to gold, go around. The gold covered steaks are like insane looking. I would go for it. One of these days. <sighs> it's too Once much. This... That's too much for me because it doesn't add anything to the food. That's true. One yeah. of these days. That's the only, yeah, one of these days we'll be spending $36,000. <laughs> once, let me tell you. Salt-based steakhouse. Once, uh, once, once Beer's End really takes off, which, by the way, if you haven't liked and subscribed and given us a five-star rating yet, um, we'll bring you with us. That's you we're talking to with the That's hair. you. And the face. You. I'll look directly at the camera. We'll take you, you. to Salt Bay. <clears throat> take you to Salt Bay. Well, there you go. I'm the going... The merrier. I'm going to throw... I'm going to throw a little rating on this. I wonder um, if you're close to me. I'm going to go like a three to five. We're pretty close. Yeah. 
three two five, you know, three three ish. I was gonna say three three seven. You know what's actually funny? I was originally gonna go with three four. Um, yeah, it's 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 a good beer. It's it's yep. it's again. This is a good beer for. I just am trying to get into craft beers or I'm maybe trying to expand beyond, you know, maybe just a a pale ale or an IPA and I'd like to try a stout, but you know, I don't want anything that's going to uh, like put me off from the experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good starter. It's a starter stout. Good starter stout. Yeah. Good starter stout. Perfect. The words right in my mouth. Took the word right out of my mouth. Where did you were kissing me? me. Ah, oh, meatloaf gone too young. Yep. Too soon. Who would have guessed a man named meatloaf would kick <laughs> off before his time was done. Right. What were you going to say before we got distracted by meatloaf? Where did you come up with a, a topic like briefcases? You know, um, partly from one of my little stories, shticks, if you will. Yeah. Um, and partly just because I think they're badass. There is something about wielding a briefcase that says, I am here for business. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. If you I, need it. I was when I initially started to do Very some professional. Yeah. Well, listen, if because if you're if you're carrying a briefcase, you're probably a lawyer, which means you are more powerful than I am, you know, at the end of the day. It was interesting to have read, uh, and I didn't obviously do any like research into it, but like it's that's still, or the briefcase is still a very traditional gift to give to someone who is just entering into like law school. Oh, interesting. Which I was kind of like, oh, really? You know, sounds a little stuffy, but yeah, you know, I guess uh, that's the best place to to put your you know dossiers and your cocaine. Good so, old uh, dossiers. Yeah. What I wouldn't give for a dossier right a about dossier? now. A <laughs> dossier? Love it. Love you always it. know or, you're going to have a good time when you have a dossier. Yeah, and it's going to be a bad time if that dossier is referred to as an attache. Uh, oh, I don't think I've ever heard that. But oh, okay. I love a good attache. I didn't even know that was a, a thing. Yeah. We, muy French. No, muy, très, 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 French. très French. See, I'm learning. I'm going to kick us off. Mm. And I want to talk about something that's very synonymous with briefcases. And typically when we see briefcases in like movies and TV, it's usually a briefcase full of money. Oh, right. Yeah. So briefcases are typically used for two things, a business employee using it for work or to launder a bunch of money for a bribe or deal. At least that's, that's the way I see it. Okay. So, so briefcase full of money. So I started to wonder like how much, fits in briefcases because you know we always see it on tv but like we don't know yeah that's actually a really good in it. point it feels like it's there's a very limited amount of space in there there is a very limited amount of space okay so for accuracy one would need to use the it's called the zero halliburton brand brushed aluminum briefcase oh this info Hallibur- by the way halliburton yep as in comes- the oil folks I don't know if it's the same company. That'd be very okay. interesting. All right. But I, I couldn't see why not. Like, I feel like that's something industrial that's made with raw materials. Right? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I think so. So all this info comes from tvtropes.org. Mm. So this is, this is all not for me. Okay. <laughs> so this briefcase, the Zero Halliburton uh, brushed aluminum is oddly enough, just the right size to fit $10,100 bills. Oh, so that would be a million dollars. Shut up. Like that. It's that perfect. Literally the exact size closes and encompasses the entire briefcase. Holy shit. Yeah. So for, for a full briefcase, however, this would still not be an obscene amount of money, right? Million dollars. Yeah. Nothing outrageous for, especially for now. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There's a, a slightly larger briefcase style. Um, that fits just a little bit more. So if it's 2.4 million, so it'd be okay. $24,000 bills. That's an interesting um, number. Yeah. Well, it's enough to live like nicely for a little while. I think so. It's not enough to set up, set up your life though. No, not entirely. Unless you invest. I, I, yeah. I could, I would like to think I could probably do quite a, quite a bit with 2.4. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Start up something. 
when you've when you've got none, uh, 2.4 <laughs> is, is a lot. When I've got zero millions of dollars, 2.4 is a lot. So uh, easily it's more done. than zero. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so people in like these TV or movie deals, like don't ever actually get that much money because whenever we see it, is the briefcase full? Oh, because oh, even it- even if it was like full, full to the brim, when that thing is open, those bills aren't going to stay in place. They're going to come flying out. You know, the hundred thousand or was it ten thousand hundred dollar bills? If they're stacked in there, as soon as you open that thing, you're going to get bills all over the place. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Nobody in these movies ever actually gets what they say. You know, like, what's the ransom? It never really is what it's supposed to be. Huh. And actually, in fact, these sons of guns are heavy when they're full. Oh, yeah. So somebody did did the math. And $1 million in $100 bills weighs roughly 22 pounds. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. 2.4 million weighs 53 pounds. Oh, my God. What? And that doesn't, that doesn't even include the eight-pound briefcase. So you're carrying around roughly... At least 30... Like, if it's full, at least 30 pounds worth of cash. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. That is... A, so you're carrying around a child with you, like a five-year-old everywhere, a four-year-old, wherever you're going. Pretty much. I, and I, pe- I and in the movie, it's so unrealistic. People wave him around, you know, like... Yeah. It doesn't sound like you would be comfortable then because they usually have like a, a you know, uh, what's that? Handcuffs exactly. like around you. Exactly. Huh. Handcuffed to your wrist. Could you imagine yeah. having a kettlebell handcuffed to your wrist? No, not no. at all. That's no. terrible. That sounds yeah. really painful, in fact. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Interesting. So, yeah. So um, I didn't know that like briefcases were so specific, like the Zero Halliburton brand brushed aluminum. I can picture it, too. You can, so can you. Oh, absolutely. It sounds like something out of you've seen American Psycho. No, actually. Oh, so uh, obviously I don't think I'm giving anything away, but one of the like really famous kind of like early scenes, they're all exchanging uh, business cards and showing off like, oh, this one is with such and such uh, card, card stock and font and feel and like raised (laughs) emblems. It's like, and that reminds me of like, that would be a real like sociopath conversation to have like yes. oh he walked in with the Halliburton you know uh zero four hundred you know what a dick he thinks he's better than the rest of us I feel like I've seen a uh, a satirical take on that scene other oh, places probably probably yeah probably that's what I was thinking probably yeah huh I like that kind of cool yeah and we all and, like money and who doesn't right so perfect setup for my first uh, for my first part here, that was right. I'm good to I'm good to go. I feel like oh, I yes, know, like it's terrible timing now. But um, <laughs> to ask like, oh, by the way, um, have time you- is just a man-made construct, Nick. I love I love that we keep going to that, which is which is good. Good for us. Then I say it all the time. I love it. I love it. We got to get that uh, make that into a T-shirt. Yes. Um, so have you ever heard then of the reality show called The Briefcase? No, definitely thought you were going to say deal or no deal. Oh, shit. No way. I didn't. You know what? What a gene. Wow. I didn't go that way at all. Yeah, Um, I almost did. There wasn't that much information. So, okay. So I started this with perhaps the briefcase. Again, it was a reality show on CBS. And uh, I opened this up with perhaps one of the most shocking examples of capitalist exploitation I've ever even read about. Oh, I can't wait to hear about this. So this was a show that was created by David Broom. Uh, I want to make sure, in parentheses, I want to make sure his name is said so people know what name. kind of human waste of life thinks these things up. Oh, fantastic. Um, oh, this guy is, uh, I, I know I'm building it up, but I think <laughs> I know your stance on, on a lot of these or some of these like issues. This man is the scum of the earth. Oh, fun. Um, so it was created by David Broom again for CBS in 2015. So in each episode of The Briefcase, two families that are undergoing financial hardship are given a briefcase with $101,000 and must decide whether to keep all of the money or give some or all of it away to the other family. What? 
So over the course of the 72 hours that like the show covers with each family, the families are later informed of the other family and that they were given the same instructions. So essentially what happens is like, I put in that, you know, I'm undergoing like, you know, I've got uh, bills and debt and the whole nine yards. And they give me a suitcase with $101,000. And they turn around and they say like, okay, this first thousand dollars, do what you want with it, you know, kind of like treat yourself, have some fun, great. They then are told, that this other family exists, let's say, you know, your family exists and you guys are going through hardships as well, medical bills, debt and whatnot. And, you know, I'm told you can either keep all of the money, give some of the money away or give all of the money away. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm faced with this like idea of like, what do I do? And you're on TV. And I'm on TV. At the end, then, what winds up happening is that both families realize that they were both given a briefcase with that amount of money. So, like, at first, I don't know that you've got a briefcase of $101,000 as well. So, essentially, you know, it's a matter of deciding what do I do with this money? So, the reception to the show, as we can assume, was largely negative. <laughs> yeah. So um, a guy by the name of Ken Tucker, uh, he was a critic at large for Yahoo TV, referred to it as, quote, cynical and repulsive for passing off its exploitation as uplifting, inspirational TV. Um, a guy named Jason Miller of Time called it, quote, the worst reality TV show ever. Well, other people went ahead and compared it to like the Hunger Games and the Twilight Zone button button. Um, So let me give you a rundown, at least of what the first episode is. Okay. so uh, each family, again, is presented at least as being like fully middle class, despite the fact that each one of them is fully drowning in debt. So the first family is the Bergen family of North Carolina. They've got an ice cream truck business. And the trucks appear to be like completely broken down, you know, like they've got issues, I guess, in terms of like upkeep. Uh, They've got like three young daughters and they haven't been able to afford health care for over two years. Then we are introduced to the Bronson family of New Hampshire. Um, They want to build a wheelchair accessible home for their husband, Dave who is a Purple Heart recipient who had fought in Iraq and lost his leg in combat while his wife is a nurse and eight months pregnant with their second child. Dude. Yes. At one point in the show, each family tours the home of the other family where they start to like put things together. Like they realize that Dave is an amputee you know, the one family and the other one realizes that like um, that the family with like the young daughters, like, oh, my God, they don't even have enough money to like afford to fix their washing machine. Like they've got a broken washing machine. So it featured such lovely quotes that warms our hearts uh, as viewers, such as, quote, them asking themselves, are we awful people? Uh, quote, you don't feel guilty. And quote, he lost his leg fighting for us. That puts my life to shame. So the guy, so the guy Tucker that I was telling you about, the first critic at large for Yahoo TV, his final takeaway was that the show, and this is a a full quote, uh, left him appalled and disgusted. The other guy Miller says, quote, while I'm not a fan of many reality TV shows, I do appreciate that some of these productions are worthwhile, creative, and entertaining for millions millions of loyal viewers. An offensive, immoral, and derisive, uh, derisive show that completely takes advantage of the psychological fragility of impoverished families wow. is not what we Americans should consider entertaining. And I just like... Now, those two families, luckily, in the beginning they decided to each give, you know, the full amount to the other family. So they came away with the rest of the episodes were not like that at all. Like 
some of them gave away maybe, you know, um, $25,000 and kept the rest while the other family gave maybe like $75,000. So like there was this, and they have to, they sit across from each other at the end. And negotiate or like, and tell each other what the thing is. Yes. Wow. Yes. This show sounds insane. Like I was just, and I'm reading it and I just kept thinking, I was like, this is the worst fucking show one of in the, yes. the world yes. i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they were pitching it like let's go find two families who can't afford to live their lives and give them money but here's the trick we make them think that they're gonna be either good people or bad people for what they give away to everybody else and the it's guy terrible. david broom like rationalizes up and down about like, oh, no, everyone's like reading it into it the wrong way. Fuck you, dude. You know what they should have done? What made them look a little bit better hmm. is if they had taken like the if one family gave way more than the other one, then that family gets like a stipend or something, you know, yeah. well, not a stipend, but it's something extra. Like you were generous here. We're going to give you a little bit more. Yeah, it, it's something even something. out the hundred thousand, you know, give them the money that that makes the difference there were some families that gave away only a thousand dollars because again I, and i mean i hate to be this like not that i'm rationalizing why they had done it but it's one of those things where it's like oh my god am i gonna sit here also and like also play this game of yep. well, i have a I rough do. yeah like i've got a lot of shit that i've got to worry about with my life and my family i feel bad for these other people i want to help these other people but like how much do i decide to help without still sacrificing like the well-being of my own family and whatnot right terrible terrible that's, stuff that's tough man i don't know if <sighs> i feel like if i feel like if i was ever put in that position it'd be really hard for me to give away more than half yeah and yeah, those I, people that people that whoever that family was that give away 75k yeah way more than half way more way more i think like half would be an acceptable amount. I but think it, anything more than like 10 is acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, like it, that's, that's over 10%. Yes. It is just such a bizarre, bizarre. Oh concept. yeah. Stupid. Like it really is taking like yes. the best of humanity and like potentially making it the worst. Like right. I don't want to see anybody struggle and suffer but when you make it national entertainment, then quote unquote entertainment, like the fuck is the matter with you? Right. Exactly. Exactly. The Disgusting. person that put it all together. Totally yep. agree. David. So Broom. I would be remiss if we talked about briefcases and I didn't talk about one of the most famous briefcases of all time. Go on. I hope you've seen Pulp Fiction. Of course. Okay. Then because the rest of my story would hold no, no weight. Okay. If yeah, anyone was... hasn't seen Pulp Fiction, you should go see it because it truly is a classic movie. Oh, absolutely. Like it's absolutely. been repeatedly ranked uh, the top 100 movies of all time. Um, I'm pretty sure that Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, and Uma Thurman were all nominated for Grammys or Oscars, one of them. Oh, really? I don't know. From from that movie, yeah. They were all, for one of those awards, I always mix them up. Um, They were all not Probably the Oscars. Or the uh, the Oscars or the uh, Golden Globes. It was, maybe it was one one of those. Huh. Um, But anyway, Pulp Fiction came out in 1994. So we were just uh, wee little four-year-olds. Definitely not watching Pulp Fiction. Definitely not. Um, It is a black comedy crime film. So the black as in dark comedy. Not as in a black cast, Tyler right. Perry. This cast was star-studded. One of the greatest casts of all time. I already <gasps> named a couple of them. John Travolta, Bruce Willis was in it, Uma Thurman, Samuel L. Jackson, Ving Rames, oh and Tim Roth. Yeah, there was a lot. Good Lord. I know. So some of the plot, which is chronologically out of order and makes, makes this movie... It's all centralized around crime in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. particularly centralized around one gang or like syndicate, I guess we can call it. Um, and it twists and turns through four stories 
involving multiple characters. In these stories, the actions and effects of one story will play into the outcome of another. And one aspect that's garnered a lot of mystery over the years is the briefcase being transported around by Travolta and Jackson's characters, Mm -hmm. Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield. So good. Two of the greatest characters of all time. So good. Just the name, like the name Vincent Vega is such a good, good name. They gave Samuel L. a shitty name compared to Vincent Vega. Like Jules Winfield, like give him a better name. Yeah, but Sam, it's Samuel L. Jackson, so he can do no wrong, no matter <laughs> he what. Did. He can have any name. He could be, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Rufus. Uh, uh, Rufus, you know. Yep. Well, he was a Rufus. In, no, he wasn't. Uh, no, wasn't he a, a Rufus in um, Goodfellas? I'm looking it up. I, I Samuel L. Jackson was in Goodfellas? He was the one that was driving the, the truck at one point. Towards the end, but when they were going, when he... Oh, no, it was Kill Bill. Are you sure? That's what this says. He was I am, he was Rufus in Kill Bill. Oh, okay. I'm. But he was in... He was in uh, Goodfellas as well. I don't actually know. He played... Like, with, the, with the magic of the internet. He played... Oh, my freaking phone. <laughs> I can't... Uh, he did appear... He was the one who had driven like the box car oh, to um to the airport in the Lufthansa heist. Oh, I have seen maybe Goodfellas one time. Oh, really? Oh, maybe God. one time. Okay, and maybe no, I... not even all the way through. Oh, I'm sorry. He played uh, Parnell Stacks something. Parnell. That's almost the... as good as Snaps Provolone. Uh, oh, Snaps Provolone. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Go watch that movie. You won't be disappointed. I won't. I'm talking to you. Talking to me? Yeah. Good. Okay. Briefcase. So this, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction is at the center of the film on numerous occasions, usually trying to be stolen. Someone's trying to take this briefcase from someone else. In one scene, Travolta is seen opening the briefcase and entering 666 on the combination lock to get in, right? Mm-hmm. So 666 being the number of the beast in biblical terms, people have taken this and run with it because we never actually see what's in the briefcase. Yeah. So in that scene where he puts in the code and opens it up, all you see is his, uh, you know, a shot of him with the briefcase in front of him, he opens it up, cigarette in his mouth, great scene. Mm-hmm. And this like orange gold glow comes out of the briefcase. Yeah. So for years now, this cult following has wondered what was in this briefcase. Obviously, it's, it, you know, it was a plot device. It was, it was there the whole time. That's what this movie was about. Got to right. get this briefcase to Marcellus Wallace. Who was Ving Rames? Ving Rames' character. So here's some of the speculative theories that have come up over the years. People have thought of these. Some have just been gold, you know, just a shit ton of gold. Okay. And we know now from hundred dollar bills, I was that just would be heavy say, as hell. It's far too heavy. Far too heavy. So it can't be gold, right? Uh, some theories have been radioactive material, okay. like uh, plutonium. Or a nuclear bomb. Because, okay. you know, he's, he's, he's a mob boss. True. He's got connections. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of that one. Neither am I. There's another one, though, that fans think that this is Marcellus Wallace's soul being carried oh. around in this briefcase, stolen back from the devil himself. Oh. Which I find to be the most interesting. And that would make the most sense with the lock combo being 666. Six, six, six. Right. You see, okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say, because I, I I always like the idea, if anything, did they ever mention, you know, is there any theory there that like it was the Ark of the Covenant? I didn't read that, but that's a good one too. I almost I almost like that, uh, you know, that whole idea, you know, I or like not, that. Not the Ark lot. of the Covenant, uh, Covenant, uh, uh, the Holy Grail. That's what I was. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah, I was on board with, with both. Perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> I was on board with both. So Tarantino in um, interviews in the past has said that 
the briefcase is nothing but he calls it a MacGuffin, which is a plot device. And it just means that it's something centric to the plot, but in and of itself, totally meaningless. So it was just there to be there for the movie. But like in the actual movie, it's plot. It means nothing. I you see, sometimes I like that as an answer, though. Oh, so do I. Yeah, I like I respect that. So all they did was throw like an orange light bulb in there. Yeah. To like give what, it the glow. Yeah. Like Tarantino, what is it? Does it it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's it's nothing. It's so I don't know if you remember this. But then in 2007, he came out in an interview. And well, do you remember this? No. He did an interview with Robert Rodriguez in 2007 after they both released Grindhouse. Oh, uh, you see, I'll be honest with you. Tar- I can't watch Tarantino in, in, in interviews at all. There's something about the way that you like, all right, so like, it's really crazy with his chin. Oh. His oh. chin is very pronounced. I will, I will totally agree with that. He's always just bopping around far too much. Like, sit he, still. He is a bopper, isn't he? Yeah. So what? Yeah. Anyway, so in 2007, um, there was an interview with him and Robert Rodriguez. They did Grindhouse together. Mm -hmm. And in a very um, like Tarantino-esque style, they purportedly reveal the contents of the briefcase. But what happens is the scene cuts out. And this is something that happened in Grindhouse a lot. Something that they, you know, one of their artistic like views of the movie, you know, big plot thing scene cut out so the scene cuts out in this interview and there's like an intertitle screen and it it reads missing real shut and, up and then yep and then it cuts back in and richard rodriguez is going on and on about how like radically the contents of the briefcase altered the knowledge of this film for the viewer it's like kind of oh. cheeky yeah, yeah. kind of cheeky but we love it right yeah we love it we let I- it go you know what it reminds me of? I don't know if you ever, um, and, and again, I guess the reason why I appreciate it, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of why the Beatles wrote uh, I Am the Walrus. I don't think so. So apparently, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was that they had started to find out that like college campuses and like certain college classes were starting to like break down and analyze their songs for meaning and this, that, and the other thing. And finally, it might have been, it was probably either, you know, Lennon or McCartney had turned around and said like, oh yeah, I'm going to write a song that you cannot analyze. There is no meaning to it. It doesn't mean a damn thing. So that's apparently how I am the walrus came about. They're like, no one's the walrus. That Cuckoo makes Cuckoo. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, Cuckoo I, Cuckoo. yeah. Which I love some of those big like middle fingers of like, don't, I'll, if my art is meant to have a message, I will let you know what that message is. Right. Don't dig too deep into it entirely. Yeah. Like it'll be yep. cool. God. We love that. I do. We're into that. I respect yeah. it. I respect yep. it. Definitely. That's, that's a good one. I completely forgot about that briefcase. Yeah. Big part of the movie. Great movie. Oh, so was Django Unchained. Oh. And I never saw Reservoir Dogs, actually. Oh. I feel like I need to see that. Oh, you know what? By the time we finish up our recording tonight, we've got some time before you usually have to go to bed. So you've got enough time. Watch to go ahead Dogs. And, dude, such a good, yeah, good movie. So I've been and, told. You know, and that was before. That was a 90. I think that came out in 92. 91 or 92. Yeah. Yeah. So that was even before Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. So and good. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. You'll, you'll enjoy it. You most definitely enjoy it. So. Again, set each other, you know, each other up very well today. So you had mentioned that the second speculation as to what was in the briefcase was plutonium or something having to do with like atomic weapons. Yeah. So as a result, have you ever heard of the nuclear uh, nuclear football? Uh, you know what's funny is I have. Oh, really? And quickly before you get into it, I'll tell you why. Yeah. So when I was at my old job, when I was at Costco, uh, back in Hazlitt, one of my managers said that whenever the regional manager comes in, he carries around the football in his pocket. And I was like, you carry around what? And he was like, oh, it's great. You don't know about the nuclear football? And I was like, no. 
He was like, in my pocket, I have an entire cheat sheet of answers, oh, product shit. numbers, product sales, blah, blah, blah. So whenever I'm walking with Paul, I pull it out of my pocket and I go, oh, what do you want to know? Da, 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 da. Oh, okay, I got it for you. Oh, that's perfect. And that's, that's why I know about the nuclear football. Good on you, because I think I have I had heard the term, but not until like reading it again. Did it like click in my mind? Was Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with this. Yeah. So off the cuff. Well done. I got to start using it now more often. I think right? my regular like vernacular, my regular uh, speech. So the nuclear football is also sometimes referred to as like the atomic football, the president's emergency satchel, the button, the black box, or just the football. Uh, and it is the briefcase that holds the content for the president of the United States to use to authorize a nuclear attack while away from like any fixed command post. So it contains four different things. The first of which is a black book with retaliatory options. The second, oh, yeah. Like a little playbook. Exa exactly. The second is a book with a list of classified site locations so like where actually the missiles and the like warheads are this is crazy the third is a manila uh, a manila envelope with about eight to ten pages for operations of the emergency broadcast system like how oh, to actually shit. go ahead and activate that and then a three by five card with authorization codes as to how to actually i love authorize, that i love right? this so it dates back to the Eisenhower administration, um, but it now became like, you know, as we know it during the Kennedy years, and that was particularly like during a high um, anxiety, you know, period with the former USSR and things along those lines. So during the presidencies of both Jimmy Carter and of Ronald Reagan, both men chose to carry the codes. So that little like three by five card chose to carry the codes in their jacket pockets. And these guys. Oh, it's like, ass. like the second I even like read that, I was like, what do you mean they carried it in their pockets? Like, are you <laughs> like, kidding me? I would lose that so fast in a heartbeat. Oh, man. So that card is also if you ever hear reference to the nuclear biscuit, for some reason, they call it that also. <laughs> OK, no idea why, but that's what they refer to it as. So. Ronald Reagan actually like was separated from his card or from the authorization card at one point during his assassination attempt. Um, what had happened was that like his clothes were cut away from him before he was brought into surgery and they had found the card stuffed in one of his shoes on the emergency room floor. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, and again, I'm reading this and I'm thinking like, uh, really we're not we're not even trying to come up with anything else like that's the way it's going to go you know in a shoe on the emergency room floor <laughs> so the football is always carried by an aide who travels along like with the president uh himself and like i said though there have been some times though where the football and the president have been like separated for a period of time as well so not just the card but the entire like contents of it oh jeez um, so there were times when there were a couple of different incidents during um, the presidencies like Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, uh, George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton. So they all had periods Excuse where they were, didn't have the football. Correct. Where them and the football were like separated for a period of time. And they're they're always supposed to have this on them. It's always supposed to be with them. Absolutely. Like if if, wow. you know, if I'm traveling That's so stressful. Oh, this one, especially if you're the person that still has the football, like I can imagine at one point in time, be like, where's the president? Be like, I don't know. What, what do you mean? I don't know. Like, I, I well, I've got this. I got the football. I, I've got the football. Where is the president? So the one and they didn't explain or I didn't find too much information about like those uh, like four individual incidents. But there was a period for about 30 minutes, about a half an hour when Nixon had been separated from it. And it was because of the fact is that he and uh, Leonid Brezhnev, so like the head of the USSR, were together at Camp David 
1973. And for some reason, it didn't say like where they were going, but Brezhnev was driving and like Nixon got in the car with him and it was just the two of them that like (laughs) drove to where they had to go. So he was away from the football. And again, chaos. Just, it was probably chaos. chaos. You've got the leader of the USSR driving the president of the US around, neither one of them, without a care in the world. You know, that sounds like a really bad joke. Oh my. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So the former head of the Soviet Union is driving a car with a passenger that's the president of the United States. Stop me if you heard this one before. <laughs> Please stop. So there are a total of. <laughs> There were a total of three of these footballs that actually exist. So one is for the president, one for the vice president, uh, and one that stays at the White House. Um, So usually what winds up happening is that like the outgoing president and the incoming president have like a meeting. And that's when they like, you know, just before inauguration, like on inauguration day, and they like swap everything kind of over. um, And, you know, once that swap happens, the old codes are like deactivated and the new ones go into effect. Hmm. Now, because of the fact is that in 2020, the outgoing president did not attend the inauguration. Yeah. What what wound up happening was that there was still a football that stayed with him in Florida until like the strike of noon and what wound up happening was that, like, essentially the guy who had that football, like, got up and, like, left and walked out. And the incoming president, so President Biden, was given, like, one of the backup footballs. And those oh. codes, like, electronically changed at what? noon, which is when the president takes the oath of office. Yeah. That's crazy. So I've got two more things, if anything. I oh, love it's this. insane. Keep going. So there's a similar briefcase that's called the Chegep, and it is the Russian equivalent of the football, and it goes by the name of Kazbek. Um, and it went into development just before uh, Gorbachev had come into office and then, you know, was enacted when he was in office. So in 1985. However, in January or on January 25th, of 1995, Norwegian and U.S. scientists had launched a sounding rocket for experiments into space, like from Norway, and it was initially mistaken and misidentified by Russian forces, during which the Cheget was activated. Oh, so, like, no. Actually, yeah, and it is apparently the only time known in history when a nuclear briefcase was actually activated for use. When was this, 95? Yeah, 1995. God. At that point, we had, like, the internet even. Like, it's like, guys, pick up the phone and, like, let them know. Right? You know, I'm kind of surprised. So you said there's three footballs. Correct. Around, right, at all times. Correct. One to the vice president, one to the president, one at the White House. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder why they don't give it to the lone survivor. My. Hmm. You know, because technically the white, the, the white, the vice president and the president are always together. Yeah. For the most part. And that's the whole point of the lone survivor. So I guess the lone survivor is, or is probably given maybe the one at the white house, I I guess. Yeah. For like probably always at the white house. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. And again, this is also for like remote activation. So for like when they're away from like fixed commands. That's true. God, could you imagine that call? Like you're the lone survivor on deck right now. They're like, no. Okay, great. (laughs) Have you ever seen that show? I still haven't. No. We watched, Christina and I watched that show with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. And uh, man. Running a country seems like a shit show. Yeah, it's like not something like bad. high up on my to-do list of like no. things I want to do by any means. Run a country? No. 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 Oh, I would it, run then, a dictatorship, sure. Then, <laughs> but like not like a democratic with people not in the No, that's true. That's very true. Not for very long at all. No, because like think about it, man. And like I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the litany of problems across 
these states and one person is supposed to be able, be the one to delegate all the tasks task forces and like crews and personnel no. well and and realistically and it's so funny because you know I think about that every once in a while. And I always think to myself, like, man, what a broken system at this point, because like, that's totally not the way it's supposed to work. Like, it's really supposed to be like the president is in charge when like shit on a macro level, like hits the fan. Right. But, like for I mean, some reason now it's like every little thing has got to go through their office, which. I'm going to end on this because I thought this was interesting. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to what, you know, like what you just said. How, yeah. how, where we are and what's actually still going on. Yeah. The United States, this is a uh, courtesy of Uber facts. The United States is the only industrialized country in the world without paid family leave. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That is the, listen, the only modern uh, industrial without that, we are the only ones that don't have a nationalized or at least a, a subsidized healthcare system. Killing it. Killing it and killing ourselves. Hey, but at least uh, we have the, the Bon Jovi service station thank, on the parkway now. Thank goodness. Thank. D- don't know what I would have done without that. Uh, I, I don't know. We would be living on a prayer. My guess is without it. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We're halfway there. Uh, we're... Easy. Um, otherwise we'd uh you know if we didn't have that we'd probably just you know be uh on a, on a steel horse we ride you know and uh <laughs> i'm gonna send it to you and i'm also going to post up the link on our instagram uh i've been going through like old clips of uh, we're jumping around quite a bit but that's what happens when we have a full at least beer yeah um there is a clip from an old episode of Conan O'Brien where, you know, Triumph, the insult comic dog. Yes. He goes to a Bon Jovi concert and it is the funniest fucking thing in the world. The way he rips is a- Triumph. Is uh, that his name? Yeah. Triumph, the insult comic dog. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was something else. The old Google. The old Google. Got to hit it up. Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, son of a gun. Yeah, he's uh, voiced by Robert Smigel. Um, Why did I think his name was something like Roscoe? No, because Roscoe was the name of the of the hand puppet that our elementary school pup uh, uh, <laughs> Spanish teacher had used to teach us right. Spanish. You're absolutely right. It is. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I will post the video up there and send it to you. Just watch it. It is so goddamn funny. Okay. Yeah, Bruce- he is funny. Yeah, a Bruce Springsteen, uh, Bruce a Bon Jovi concert happening at like Giant Stadium, you know, twenty years ago. It is the funniest <laughs> goddamn thing in the world. That's you'll, funny as it is, folks. Let me tell you, if you go ahead and watch ago. it too, you'll be so happy uh, and and so blissfully distracted at the fact that we don't have family leave and healthcare that you'll completely forgot about those realities. <laughs> Maybe. Or probably not. Yeah, just don't, you know, just don't stub your toe or hurt yourself in that process. Exactly. Yeah, you'll forget about them until the next time we bring up how corrupt our poor country is. Yep, 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 yep. And with that, it's been a pleasure, Nick. Always a beautiful time. Always a good time. Always a beautiful time. Can't wait to see you in person for the next one. Yes, yes, which we'll, we'll, yeah, we gotta, we gotta chat about it. Maybe we'll do it on a, uh, well, yeah, you and I'll chat. Everyone stay beautiful. Enjoy your Easter. Everyone have a beautiful holiday yes. weekend. And, have a wonderful, uh, uh, yep. wonderful Easter. Enjoy. Have a great time with the family. Enjoy. See you, everybody later. We'll see you. Goodbye. Beers End is hosted by Alex Chula and me, Nick Messina. Video producer is Mike Delavan. Original music is by Alex Chula. Sound effects have been provided by Zapsplat. And audio editing and producing is from me, Nick Messina. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Beers And wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Beers and Podcast and on Twitter at Beers and One. That's on Twitter at Beers and the number one. Or shoot us an email at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Alex and I always want you to enjoy your beer safely and responsibly. Neither Alex nor myself have any affiliations with any of the breweries we sampled in this episode, be them legal affiliations or otherwise. 
If you have any questions or concerns, please email us at beersandpodcast at gmail.com. That's beers, the word and, podcast at gmail.com.